Good morning, Crossword Online. Great to be with you this morning. And uh, we want to look at God's Word and spend time in it. And we pray that God will uh, mold us and convince us uh, about His character and His nature. Um, and so we want to make a slight change. And for the next couple of weeks, we want to look at the book of 1 Samuel again. We started 1 Samuel last year. We took a break from it. And we thought it may be a good idea to uh, start it up again. What we want to do is we want to start in chapter 9. Uh, and that is what we would call a season 2 of the book of Samuel. Season 1 is where we are introduced to the first uh, main character of the book, uh, which is uh, Samuel himself. He is uh, supernaturally born. Um, he then is made to become the word of God, the prophet of God, made the word of God uh, prosperous again uh, in that time. And he also becomes the, the judge of Israel. Um, and in chapter 8, we then find a, a bit of a crisis, or actually a huge crisis. Um, Samuel is old. His sons are ungodly, very much like Eli's sons in one sense. And the leaders come to him and say to him, we want uh, you to give us a king. Um, and uh, the really interesting little bit that they add is they, we want to be have a king like all the other nations have. Now, if you remember... Uh, back to Israel's beginning in the book of Exodus specifically, uh, God has called Israel and made Israel to be his people and to be not like the other nations. Um, and so here is a great uh, sad day uh, for Israel itself. Uh, they looked at the problems, they looked at the uh, political situation they found themselves in as a loose federation of tribes. They felt that they needed to change. Uh, they wanted a better deal and they wanted uh, to have a king, and to have a king like the nations have, a king that is visible. Uh, and uh, in this whole section of chapter 8, then, uh, we see that the whole plan of God is being put in jeopardy by uh, the people of God themselves. God uh, tells Samuel, who is very upset about it, that uh, in one sense they are rejecting him, but even in a much worse sense they are rejecting God himself as their king. Um, and yet he's, God says to them, appoint for them a king. And God and once he has to tell Samuel three times in chapter 8, I, I guess Samuel is quite upset. Uh, Samuel sets out to explain some of the things that the king will do. Um, and yeah, fascinatingly enough, uh, the king will do what most human rulers do. Uh, most people who have been given authority to rule, um, they often start out well, uh, but they end up uh, becoming what we would call takers. And so in that section in chapter uh, 8, uh, a number of times, uh, uh, Samuel reminds him, and he will take, uh, and he will take, uh, and he will take. Um, uh, and that is one of the things of humans. Humans uh, are takers. And so here they say, give us a king like all the nations, and he must take our land back, and he must give us security, and uh, he must fight our fights, which is even more weird, because in chapter 7, God has fought for Israel, and has saved Israel through Samuel again, and brought peace uh, to them. And here, they really reject God. They say it stirs them to trust, stirs them to pray, stirs them to trust the, 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 the God of life. Uh, we would much rather have a king and he must look after us and then we will be happy and secure. So in one sense, it seems like human beings are never happy with what they have. If you have a monarchy and a centralized government, you want a federal I think if you have a federal kind of government that Israel had, uh, you're looking for a centralized one. So in one sense, I guess human beings are forever not happy. And here in this context, we see Israel uh, reject a God and uh, look for a king. And so in chapter 9, 
uh, we start with season two. And season two, in one sense, really runs from chapter nine to chapter 15, as we are introduced to the second uh, great character uh, in the book of Samuel, and that is Saul, uh, who is going to become the first king. And so these kind of chapters sets it up for us and explains to us uh, what is going on and how God did it and how God brought kingship, which was a completely foreign idea uh, in terms of political, not in terms of concept, but in terms of uh, Israel being run by a king was completely foreign. And these chapters kind of sets up for us uh, that reality. Um, and so as we read that, uh, I hope that we will grow in understanding uh, really and ultimately the heart of God. So in chapter 9, um, what I want to just highlight for you, if you want to read it, we're not going to be able to read chapter 9 and halfway through 10. It's going to take too long um, for this video purpose. Um, but I want to encourage you to go and read it. And I want to give you just one way in which you can make uh, uh, enjoyment of this reading a bit more. So like a movie, uh, you have a, uh, uh, every movie is made out of a number of scenes. Um, and so you have even in the Bible, as the story develops, uh, there are scenes where things change, new characters introduce, settings are changed, uh, and that helps one to understand what's going on. So in verses 1 and 2, for instance, of chapter 9, we are introduced to Kish and his son Saul, and that Saul is a handsome young man, and that he's a very tall, strong young man, and then in verse 3, the scene changes, we are told that uh, some of Kish's uh, donkeys have gone missing, and then uh, he tells Saul to uh, take a sermon and go and find it. And then for a number of verses, we are told that they went looking for it and they couldn't find it. Eventually, they get to the area of Zuth, which is another scene change. And here, Saul engages in, and interacts with the servant. And the servant tells uh, Saul, hey, don't give up. Let's go and ask this man of God that lives in this town, because all his words always come true. Uh, and then there's a bit of a debate between them. The scene changes again as they go to the city. Uh, and they meet up with these girls, and the girls are telling him about uh, Saul, uh, uh, Samuel arriving, and that Samuel is going to do the sacrifice, and that they can catch him if they go quickly, which they then do. Um, and uh, so it's all just so interesting, uh, just a story about looking for donkeys and conversations about that, and the story eventually builds up uh, towards them meeting uh, Samuel. And it's that part that I want to read for us, just those two, two, three verses and try and put it in its context. And so it says that they went up, verse 14 of chapter 9, to the town. And as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming towards them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Samuel came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people, Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my, on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. And then there's a bit of interaction between Saul and uh, Samuel. Um, and then Samuel tells Saul uh, that he must eat with him, that his donkeys have been found, and that he and his family is, is the desire of Israel, which kind of shocks Saul completely. He doesn't understand what's going on. He says, oh, well, we're from this small little tribe. Uh, Benjamin, we are from the smallest clan in this tribe. You know, what is this all about? Why are you telling me this? Uh, Samuel just takes Saul, takes him to the meal, gives him the seat of honor, gives him the biggest piece of meat, uh, gives him all the honor in front of everybody. 
then they spend the rest of the day together. Uh, that even that next morning, uh, Samuel wakes up Saul, says to him, I'm going to send you on your way. Uh, as they get outside town, he says, send your servant ahead. And then he says to him, I am going to tell you the word of the Lord. And then in verse chapter 10, verse 1, uh, I want to read first. Uh, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And then he gives him, uh, predicts three signs. These things are going to happen to him on his way home. Um, uh, quite significant things that uh, we're not going to get into in the details now. Um, but signs that will help Saul to know that God actually is the one behind all of this. Because it must have come as quite a big shock to him. He was looking for donkeys and then end up uh, being made a king. And that's quite a, a rags to riches story in and of itself. Uh, the signs then happen. Uh, a prediction that uh, Saul, uh, Saul will be changed by the Spirit of God happens. Um, two commands are given to him. Um, and then he uh, prophesies, goes up, has a conversation with his uncle. And then in the end, he Uncle asked him, you know, what are you doing? He says, we were looking for the donkeys. We couldn't find it. Samuel, uh, we went to Samuel and he, uh, and he said, oh, oh, really? What did Samuel say? And he said, no, Samuel just told us that the donkeys have been found. But he did not tell his uncle about the kingdom. So yes, Saul seems like he's still a little bit unsure about this whole thing. Um, and so this is just setting up the story. The story is going to develop um, as God reveals uh, Saul to Israel and as he empowers Saul to become this great uh, leader and they are going to uh, inaugurate him then more fully as king. Um, and then in chapter 13, 14, 15, uh, we will start to see how uh, things further develop. Uh, so this is just setting up the story. So as you read it, uh, it seems like it's really arbitrary and bizarre. Um, and yet it's in the, one of these scenes where God uh, steps in and uh, where God uh, reveals himself. So I always want to read those verses for you again. It says here, um, as Saul and uh, Samuel kind of sees one another. They get, they're meeting up with one another. We are given a flashback by the author that says, um, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anointing ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry have reached me. And then he says, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. And then in verse 10 he says, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And I hope that you've struck the interesting realities of the words. Chapter 8, Israel says to God, we don't want you as king really, in essence. We want a king like all the other nations have to rule us and to fight our battles for us. As if God has not been his, their king and is fighting them. And so uh, here we find uh, this, in the midst of this national crisis, uh, the story picks up on about donkeys that's lost and this same, uh, soul that's kind of lost. And uh, he needs to be helped uh, along the way by his servant and by uh, by girls uh, to find Samuel. He doesn't recognize him. He doesn't know him. And bam, uh, God reveals to him a whole lot of things and anoints him to be king. But here's the first thing I want you to see is that um, we only really make sense of this story uh, as God's word enters the situation. Uh, and that is what we find as human beings. Our lives uh, does not seem to have significance. We cannot see the significance of events and how they stick together and where things are leading uh, unless God actually intervenes and interprets for us our stories. But what is really fascinating here, obviously, is that this is one person um, and he's an Israelite 
And the context is that they have rejected God. And here God, see how many times he repeats uh, that even though they have rejected him, uh, he has not rejected them. He says, um, uh, I'm going to appoint him as a ruler over my people, Israel. I have, I have looked on my people and uh, for their cry has reached me. And then again, he says, he will govern my people. And in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, they are my inheritance. This whole story in one sense tells us not only does God's word, is it the only thing that can give meaning and clarity to us, as we see that he is the one who governs all things. He doesn't always explain everything he's doing, but here we are given an explanation that the loss of the donkeys and the not being able to find them, it's not so much because of the incompetence of, Sam, uh, of Saul, it is really because God has orchestrated that this guy come and meet up with Samuel, his prophet, and that through Samuel the prophet, God is going to change the destiny of Saul and the destiny of Israel. And he is still saying, you are mine. Now, isn't that fantastic? Isn't that just amazing? I mean, here God shows in the details of one man's life that God is still the God of Israel. God says, even though you don't want me, I still will have you. I want to show you, in one sense, I guess, that I'm not like you. That I am the God who orchestrates all the insignificant events of life and that my purpose is always the same. My purpose is always, ever since sin entered this world, is to bring about salvation for my people. For those ones that I have given my love to. Even when they reject me. And that is just God's nature, isn't it? Here God comes and he confronts Israel and he gives them a picture of himself. That he is the God that despite their rejection will not reject. He will keep his word and he will keep on working and he will keep on showing them in the hope really that they will recognize his goodness and turn to him because his goodness is always there. God always works for good. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Really, Romans chapter 8 tells us that in principle and in an enormous context. And here we see it in a very specific context. God works everything for good for those who love him. For those whom he have called according to his purpose. And so here we see God has not given up on his purpose for Israel because he's not given up on his purpose for the world. God is working in the mundane humdrum realities of life in one sense, always with the same purpose, and that is to do good. And the good, ultimately, is to bring about salvation and to bring about a savior that can bring about salvation. And that's where God is going with this whole story. And that is the first thing that I think we need to grasp is the absolute magnitude of the grace and the goodness of God. Now, we'll see as we go along that uh, Saul's character is actually shown to us in small little details um, that will make things complicated in the future. But God is not the one that actually is kind of ruled by the size and the importance of people. One of the great themes that Hannah gives us in her uh, prayer in chapter 2 already is that God is the God who reverses fortunes. He lifts the humble to high places. Exactly what he's done to Saul. He is the one who establishes 
people. He is the one who changes life around. And he is the one who gives strength and purpose to his anointed, to the one who he will use to bring about salvation. And yes, Saul is the first one to receive it. And it is just unbelievable how God reels him in slowly but steadily, how God gives him the bounty, how God explains to him the things that was going on in his life, how the signs that are given are given so that he will know uh, that God is good and that God is powerful and that God has been working uh, always uh, towards bringing about salvation and what is good. That is the major reality that these chapters are trying to introduce us to. There's these conflicts between not knowing, not understanding, not making sense, nothing being significant, and God working through these small details towards bringing about his plans to be good. So here we find, in essence, in detail, the reality of what the scripture says. That God is working everything for good. And the good that God is always working on to is salvation. It does take trust, isn't it? Trust that God is actually doing it even today, in the midst of what we are going through at the moment, in the midst of the significant or the non-significant things. Um, God is working for good. And that is what these chapters, in one sense, gives us time to reflect and think on. God calling us to recognize that he is not like anything else we've ever seen. In the midst of rejecting him and finding a king, God is the one who gives. He gives the king. He gives the king the word saying, I will be with you. I know you. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're worried. I know what conversations you had. I am the one who you can trust. I am a giving, gracious, kind God. Even though you have rejected me. And that's what the scriptures keeps on holding out for us. As long as there's a today, God is working so that everyone may find his goodness. And his goodness is seen in his rule. So I'm going to point a ruler for you. But that ruler is under my rule. And my rule is always good. My rule is never selfish. My rule is never taking. My rule is always giving and giving and giving. And that's really what I want you to grab hold of as the story starts. There's all these ambiguities. Israel doesn't seem to really love God. Israel doesn't even really think that Saul can save them. And that what is God doing? And is he doing anything? There's so many ups and downs in this story. And yet the one person that stands out is obviously God. And God invites. God serves. God gives. God provides. God prepares. Because God is a God that does all of that all the time. And here we are challenged, we are encouraged, we are given a picture of that reality of our God. So that's really what I want to highlight for you this morning. Ask God for you to quieten your heart and to see how great He is, how good He is, how He knows all the details, how He understands the worries of the heart. He even tells it's all about the worries of his heart in the conversation with the servant. And he says to him, I'm using all of this stuff to try and show you that I am God. And his word here reveals to us that this is the same God that ultimately comes in Christ Jesus to bring about salvation for this world.
And this is the message that our hearts can rest in. And this is the message we can share with others. In the midst of this, show them in the history of the reality of God's actions, his track record really. What is his track record like? He is a God that works all things for good. May God give you insight and trust so that you will trust him that even in your life that you may not understand or know why it's happening the way it's happening, that he is working for good and that that good is his salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Next week we're going to pick up the story a little bit further as God is making Saul known to Israel and we'll see some of these ambiguities in a couple of weeks we'll come almost back and pick them up. But read it, enjoy it, and enjoy God above all. That He is the God who works all things for good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we bow before you, Lord, for there is no one like you. There is no ruler in the world that we could ever imagine that is like you. Here you are directly, just you know, rejected. And uh, you react by giving. You show that you're the opposite of what we understand rule to be. You give and you give. And you've given us ultimately your son. And your son has come to give us his obedience and his life. And he's offered it up for us. Because you are the God that wants to save us. So that we may be your people. And that we may have you joyfully, gladly as your Lord. And so today, Lord, I ask that your spirit will bring hearts and minds to wrestle and to see what kind of a king is it that they really want. The kind of king like this, that is bigger than anyone else, that is more gracious than anyone else, and that works and works through all things in order to bring about the good, the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. Settle our hearts, Lord. We pray that we may Rest in you and that we may make you known and that we may worship you. Thank you for your salvation in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We hope that uh, you've been encouraged and helped and uh, you can read a bit further uh, into Samuel and break it up into scenes and to see what they are all about and uh, we'll try and take a look at that. Thank you very much.